Hi, friends. Welcome to the Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thank you so much for listening today. My guest for this episode is Brittany Pena. Brittany is like a little sister to me, and our families grew up together. It was so incredible to talk to her as she shared about how God delivered her from addiction and from occult practices, and he transformed her ideas of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I pray that as you listen to her story, it encourages you. So here is my interview with Brittany Pena. All right, Brittany, thank you so much for joining me on the Faithful Podcast. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. I felt honored that you even asked me. <laughs> Are you kidding? Are you kidding? <laughs> Come on, girl. Brittany, I have known you, I feel like your whole life. Has it been your whole life? Practically, since we were, since I was probably like four or five. Four or five years old. You are my little brother's age, so I feel like you're a little sister to me. We grew up going to church together and grew up kind of alongside each other for a long time. And then we didn't, we kind of lost touch for a little while. And then God brought us back together a few years ago. And I'm just so thankful for that. And I'm so excited to see what God is doing in your life. And I'm excited for people to hear what God has done in your life. So thanks for coming on. So for yeah, the, no problem. Oh, thanks. So for those that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days. So, um, I am the, I've been married for five years and Mm -hmm. me and my husband are a blended family. So Mm -hmm. we have two children from previous relationships. I had one coming in and he had one coming in and then we have three children together. So that's a grand total of five. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then, um, kind of after I started changing my life, I decided it would be a good idea to, go back to school full-time on top of all of that. So that's kind of <laughs> what I've been doing now is just, you know, raising my kids and then trying to be a good student. Yeah. And what are you studying? Um, psychology, uh, Christian counseling through HBU. That's awesome. That's that's quite a thing to take on when you already have kids and you've already got a family and everything. That's That's so admirable. I know you and I were talking a little before about this, but having been a mom who was in school, it's such a challenge at times to find the time for things. But, you know, if God wants you to do it, he makes the time happen and, you know, you survive it. (laughs) That's kind of... (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And it it makes a big difference having like the support of my mom and my husband, like they Mm -hmm. all kind of like step up to help me out where they can. And it definitely makes things easier. I don't think I could do it without them. So God knew what he was doing, yeah. like having my mom live with me. He knew that I was going to do this one day and that I would need her. Man, that's awesome. So tell us how you came to know Jesus. Well, growing up in um, our household, my dad was not a Christian and he did not believe in going in church. But my mom took on the role as like the spiritual leader. And she was like, no, my kids will go to church. It Mm -hmm. doesn't matter what what they think or or whatever, as when they're children, they will go to church and I'm going to bring them up in church. So um, we found the church that we met you guys in Mm -hmm. and like we stayed there for the rest of our time, like through elementary, middle, high school, all of that. So 
around the age of seven, I remember um, just having this overwhelming feeling at that young age to like go down and ask Jesus to come into my heart. Mm -hmm. And so um, my mom still has it wrote in her Bible. It was like Mother's Day on in 1997. Uh I went down and asked Jesus to come into my heart. But, you know, at seven, you don't really understand exactly what you're doing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I uh, heard like a pastor in um, Dallas, uh, Robert Morris from Gateway Mm -hmm. Church up there. And he was talking about this and he was saying that sometimes when we do it at an early age, that's kind of like the seed being planted Uh because of course, at that age, you don't understand what you're doing, but it kind of like seals you for the rest of your life. And at some point in your adult life, you're going to have, God's going to cause that seed to grow and develop in Mm -hmm. you. And it might be later, but he's like, it's, it's in his experience that anyone who has done that at such a young age, they don't fully get it until adulthood. And then Mm -hmm. they come back and have this moment where they're like, wait, I, I need to get saved. I wasn't really saved. And that's similar to the experience I had. Like mm-hmm. I went through all of my early years and teenage years and I did not live like I was saved. Yeah. Like I had bouts of addiction and drug use and, you know, just hanging around with the wrong people. And there was like no life change that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's like, that's imperative to having a saved life. Like, like really giving your life to God is going to be life change after that. And that's never something I did. But I can say that throughout that time, I know that there was instances where I was moved by the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. But it was like, do you know that parable where it talks about when the seeds planted on all the wrong soil? Right. And like the birds come and snatch it or, you know, I can't remember it. destroy it or, yeah. Exactly. That was kind of like what was going on with me. Like something was planted in me, but it wasn't growing at those times, you know. But I I would have instances where I did feel moved by the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. but it just wasn't the time. The timing was off. So it wasn't until I was 28 years old in 2018 that I was like, I had my world rocked Mm -hmm. just like, I don't know what happened. It was almost like, I guess you could say my spiritual eyes were opened or there was like a film that was removed and I finally understood it fully of Mm -hmm. like what it meant and the implications of not being saved and, you know, all of these things. And that's when I was like, okay, I was never saved. And now I truly want to give my life to Christ. Mm. So were you like seeking anything out when you came, when you felt like this transformation took place or? Yes. So I was actually exploring like spirituality. Mm -hmm. So I was like, uh, I believed in mediums and psychics and all of those horrible things (laughs) that you're taught in the church is like completely wrong. And I remember having these arguments with my mom and I was like, these people can't be that bad. You know, they say they talk to the good ones and, you know, Mm. they know things. How do they know things? This is like a gift. And, you know, we would go on and on and have arguments. And my mom would just continue to speak truth and truth. And it's like, no, this is wrong. And I actually went to see a medium Mm -hmm. and I had a, a meeting with him and he gave me a reading 
And then after that, I was like so drawn to that. I was like, you know, I want to explore this. I want to see how they do it. Is this something that I could possibly do? And then I stumbled on just, I think, an act of God. I stumbled on a man's testimony named John Ramirez, who Mm -hmm. used to be very high up in the occult and all of witchcraft and all of those things. And his testimony, his story is what like woke me up. And I feel like God used him in a major way in my life. If it wasn't for me hearing that testimony, I don't know um, that I would have changed. Right. What do you feel like it was in his testimony that you were really resonating with? So the the most eye-opening part to his testimony is he was talking about how when he would do witchcraft to people or uh, put things on them, spiritual um, things or or have, you know, I don't know how much detail you want me to go in on this, but like, (laughs) we're good. (laughs) He would, he would do, um, he would get paid for putting spells on people. Right. Uh So people would come to him and if they had issues with somebody, um, they would pay him to do bad things to them, to put evil things on him on them. Mm -hmm. So in this particular story that he was talking about, he was talking about how a woman came to him and she was upset because her husband was having an affair. Uh And so the woman that he was having an affair with happened to be a Christian. Mm. And so this already, and it like enticed him to want to do things to her because he hated Christians. And he was like, You don't even have to pay me for what I'm going to do to this woman. I'm going to do it for free. Oh, my gosh. And so he was putting all kinds of witchcraft on her and doing all these things to her. And she wasn't getting harmed from it. Like, she Mm -hmm. wasn't becoming ill. She wasn't. He said he put enough witchcraft on her that she could have died. Uh Right. And so the lady came to him and was like, you know, nothing's going on with her. Like what are you doing? And he said his reputation was starting to be questioned Mm -hmm. in the community. So he, he had like a a seance or whatever you want to call it, where um, he's able to speak to demons. And Mm -hmm. he asked and he said, what's going on with this woman? And the demon told him the God she serves said to leave her alone. We can't touch her. And so to me, that was just like eye opening because here this woman is committing adultery, mm-hmm. living in sin, and God is still protecting her. Wow. God is still taking care of her and looking after her and loves her despite what she's doing. And that was like the eye opening moment for me because I was like, how crappy of me as a person to be living my life how I've been living it and not giving God the fear and the reverence and, you know, just the worship and everything that he deserves because all throughout my life, he's been watching over me and protecting me. It's like the song says, um, even though I was a slave to sin, Jesus died for me, Mm -hmm. you know? And that was like, that brought tears to my eyes. I was like weeping. And that was, I think the moment where the Holy Spirit, like, opened my eyes to how sinful I had been living Mm -hmm. and how I needed a savior. So were you in those moments, like leading up to that, would you have felt like you were kind of maybe having one foot in each world, like in this life of Christianity? Okay. So you were thinking that the two could 
coexist, I guess. Yes, for sure. Like I acknowledged that God was God and I knew Jesus came and he died for me, but I wasn't really doing anything in my life to uh, show that I truly believed that. And you were interested in like seeing if you could be a medium for this. Yeah. Yes, for sure. I had, I had actually bought the law of attraction book. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then like all of this happened and before like it came in the mail and then I called my husband and I was like, send that book back. Send it back. I don't want it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You know, I, I'm going to stop you just really fast because I don't know everybody's background that's listening. Um, to me, a lot of the things you're saying, I totally, I get. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say that, you know, depending on your spiritual worldview and depending on how you grew up, this stuff sounds yeah. a little bananas, right? Like this is... Yeah, it actually... <laughs> <laughs> this is a little out there. I mean, you're talking about putting spells on people and like that's... Yeah. That's fairy tale stuff, right? Like that's in a lot of people's mind. That's just some weird stuff. And like they don't... Yeah. There's not really power there, but... I mean, I I think in America, a lot of times we're either blinded to it or kind of like you, where we think this can coexist with other things. Like, you know, you see like palm readers or things at like a party yeah. and you're like, oh, how fun. Like, let's see this or having your tarot cards read or whatever. And obviously, you know, I'm going to take a hard stand on that. That cannot coexist yeah. with the things that God desires for us. But um, I mean, in other places... It's it's totally normal. Like where my sister lives in Mozambique, you go see the witch doctor when something's wrong. Yeah. And you get a potion of some kind or you get yeah. something made to help whatever's going on. Or you get a spell or some kind of witchcraft put on somebody and that's like totally normal. But to Americans, yeah. we're like, this is a little weird. So if you're listening and you're like, this is really strange, I think I'm going to turn <laughs> this off. Like just bear with us. And, yeah. and know that like maybe, just maybe, there's some crazy stuff happening out there that we're not aware of. And that, you know, we're told in the Bible our battle isn't against flesh and blood and that there's these exactly. rulers and these principalities. There's so much happening in this this realm beyond where we can see. And mm-hmm. we don't have to live our lives in fear of that, but we do need yeah. to be aware of it. And we need to know that God is more powerful than any you know, demonic force that could come against exactly. us. But that doesn't mean that we can't experience attacks. So exactly, um, we're not going to, you know, obviously get to all of what this entails, but I just hope that anybody that's listening will, you know, maybe just if they're a little bit weirded out, take a moment where you're like, okay, let me just follow this thread because I can Keep attest that it, it gets better. It I does promise. get better. And, and I know Brittany and I know, I know you well, and I know that this, you know, you're not the kind of person who's going to just make something up. And there are people that have made quite a living with this type of work. So it's not as crazy as we might think. It's just maybe yeah. something we don't talk about and we need to be a little more aware of. So definitely, I would say that's the biggest thing with like Christianity and the church right now is acknowledging that we, we are spiritual beings just having a physical experience. Right. So there are spiritual implications to almost everything that we do here in this world, even like 
watching scary movies, listening to certain musics, having a poster in your home. I mean, all of these things can carry spiritual implications. And I think it's extremely serious. And I think that, you know, in our background, growing up in the church that we grew up in, like we didn't see um, demons being casted out in the middle of services or, you know, things like that. And that is definitely something that I didn't acknowledge that was part of Christianity. But if you look at the early church in Acts, this is what they did. This was to, this was what Jesus said, you're going to do these things, but even more after I'm gone. And this is the very crucial aspect of Christianity that I feel like so many have just like, no, we don't mess with that. I think it's too like a level of fear. Mm -hmm. I think they're scared because even like after this, I went through the most horrendous spiritual attack I've ever been through. And I kind of felt like I was, it was an attack because I was being pulled and yeah. like, which way am I going to choose? You mm-hmm. know? So I was having like horrible anxiety. Like one, the worst one that I had the next day, my husband had to take me to see a doctor because yeah. it was such bad panic and anxiety attacks because it was like, um, I felt like something was trying to prevent me from moving forward in my Christianity. And then I felt like God was trying to accelerate me and Mm -hmm. and mature me quickly to understand what was going on. And so it was kind of in that moment that I started having like panic attacks and anxiety and just being fearful. I went maybe like six months where I could not sleep in the dark. And I would like be reading my Bible every night because I'm like, oh, I'm so scared. I'm so like anxious and I couldn't calm down. But thankfully, all of that stopped. But I think if I would have been better prepared or better taught growing up, like, you know, there is a spiritual world. Mm -hmm. There are, you know, attacks, spiritual attacks. You have to learn how to be a a prayer warrior. You have to learn how to war in your spirit. Um, All of these things. Uh, were never stressed to me as being important. Yeah. And I think that's a, a big thing for the church today. We need mm-hmm. we need to know this. We need to be able to lay hands on people, cast out demons, heal the sick, like all of these things, because that's what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people are like, what? What is all this? <laughs> um, but you know, you look at the church, like you were talking about the early church, and you look at the book of Acts and what happened. And, you know, depend. there are people that have a worldview that, like, that was for them, and things are different now. And I don't think yeah. that that means that they're not a believer. I think it's just, to me, um, you know, if God wanted that then, why wouldn't he want it now? And Exactly. And so— I feel like it's just—it's it, putting God in a box. Like yeah. you're limiting your, I feel like you're not getting the full picture of Christianity. You got some, yeah. but there's so much more that God wants to give us and wants us to, to work in. And you're just missing that part. And I don't think you should limit God in that way. Yeah, I, I agree. So that kind of leads into my next question, which is how has your view of God changed over the last few years? Oh my gosh. So um, I remember when we were doing uh, a 21 day fast for the church that I was attending, right? And I was really just taking. So you didn't eat. You didn't eat for like 21 days. It was a Daniel fast. Oh, okay. I only ate like 
vegetables and did water. I didn't do meat. Okay. And I was really in a time of prayer. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at one of the parables. Um, let me see if I can remember the name. I'm terrible with remembering stuff. So forgive <laughs> me for this. But it was the one where um, the talents, the parable of the talents okay. and how the three, um, the last one really had just this distorted view of who God was, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he um, claimed that he was, he saw him deal harshly yeah. and, you know, all of these things. And so I started reading commentaries on that. And I was like, uh, I read one where it was saying that that comes from a place of people not having an accurate view of who God is. And so I took the time to like pray and ask God, like, God, show me who you truly are. Like, Mm -hmm. help me to know you better, like your attributes, your characteristics, everything. Like, let me know you better. And during that time, I was able to just see how much God loves people, like people in general. And Mm -hmm. it didn't matter, you know, if they were Christians, if they weren't Christians, if they were in a life of sin, if they weren't, like, I just felt like he revealed his love of people to me. Mm -hmm. And then he also revealed his faithfulness to me, like knowing that he honored the prayers of my mom to like save me and to bring me out of that life. Like he didn't just ignore her prayers. Like he heard her and he honored what she asked for. And I think seeing his faithfulness throughout this time and seeing how much he loves people was just really what changed my view about him. Mm, that's so good. Um, so how did all this change that you were going through affect your family? Oh my gosh, they thought I was a crazy person. <laughs> <laughs> because it was like, it was, it was a drastic change and it happened very quickly. Like um, it went from, you know, just not partaking in certain holidays. Like we gave up Halloween Mm -hmm. because of the spiritual implications and the meaning behind it. Uh, We started going to church more. I got really involved with the church and, you know, I wanted to make sure that my kids had that foundation because I was like, I saw what me having that foundation did. And though I did go through bouts of not being a Christian and struggling with it, like I came back to it. Mm -hmm. So I wanted my kids to be set in that. Um, I felt like it was so important to take time to have relationship with Jesus and to share that with my kids. Like we started doing nightly devotionals, praying, learning Bible verses, on and on. And I tried my best to start teaching them um, the best way to like serve people, you know, like, um, we would talk about going and, and sharing what we had with the homeless and, and things like that. So those were big differences, I think, right. that went on. My husband thought I was crazy for a while and <laughs> <laughs> was like, I don't know what happened to you. But thankfully, he's like come a long way. And now he's like supports me in this and we don't argue over it anymore. At yeah. first, he was like, I don't know if I want to go to church all the time. I don't know if I want to want to have the kids going to church. Is it really that big of a deal? But yeah. and then I think him seeing the changes that's happened like with God and like there's been like evidence in our in my life mm-hmm. of God moving and doing things and I think that's really taught my husband some stuff too and opened his eyes like okay, maybe she's not as crazy as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. 
Yeah, that's that's got to be really hard. I just, I mean, I'm thinking of you with your kids and, you know, you hadn't been married all that long when you went yeah. through this and it's like, I don't know. I mean, it, it, that's a that's a big thing to put on a spouse. Like, hey, yeah. I know we were living this way, but God says this is not the way to live or this, you know, this these are things that I really feel strongly about. And, and it's a hard battle between like things, your, your convictions and, you know, keeping the peace in your house. And, yeah. you know, it's not, I'm sure that was a challenge. I'm glad to hear that God has um, brought him along and helped him to be, um, maybe not exactly where you are, but like, yeah. you know, at least not in conflict with that. Like that makes, yeah. that makes a huge difference. So what has been the hardest part of this process of like, maybe not just being a quote unquote Christian, but becoming like truly a follower of Jesus? Because I kind of feel like that's what happened. I mean, you, I, I think that you wanted to follow Jesus in those early years. And I think that you know, maybe that sincerity of like, I, I want to follow you, kind of like you were talking about with the soils, like there was just everything fighting for you. And, um, you know, to, okay, no matter the cost, I'm going to follow Jesus and kind of like living as a disciple of Jesus. So what has been the hardest part of that process? Um, The hardest part, I would say, is just, kind of knowing what to do with it, like knowing where God wants me to go now and what he'll have me do now. Mm-hmm. Um, I know um, I decided on getting, um, my daughter actually had decided to follow Jesus and mm. she was eight at the time. So she was going to get baptized. And I had already had a feeling inside me that because I was truly saved now, I mm-hmm. need to do the the steps and go through baptism. And so I had been struggling with that. And I'm like, do I really need to do that? Maybe I'm just crazy. I don't think I need to do yeah. that. But it, you know, that's doing it correctly. This is um, showing everyone that I'm a new creation. I'm not the same person anymore. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like to be a good example to my kids, I needed to walk it out. Yeah. So it was actually Layla, me and my mom, all three of us did it because mm. my mom felt the conviction as well. She felt mm. like throughout her uh, later years, she had really drifted away from, you know, being a leader, a spiritual leader and kind of took a backseat to that. So yeah. then she was like, I think I should do it as well. So we all did it. And um, as the pastor was lifting me up, out of the water, he prophesied over me and Mm. was like, you're going to go into ministry and it's going to be a good one. And this is really good what you're doing here. And I just remember coming out of that water and there was just this feeling of like joy that came over me. And I started laughing and I didn't know why I was laughing and I couldn't stop (laughs) myself from laughing. And I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. And so after he pulled me out, I was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going into ministry. So what does that look like? Like, what do I need to do next? Mm -hmm. And so, um, I think that that's been the hardest part is like knowing where God wants to put me Mm-hmm. knowing how to get there and what exactly I should do next to make sure that I'm honoring him and living for him how he wants me to. Yeah. Do you feel like you've had any direction for what that might look like? Um, or is that just the process of starting school and 
seeing where that yeah, leads. Yeah, the process of starting school, I definitely feel like I I have a heart for um, people who have who have been in rough spots, people who are coming out of of rough places, children yeah. coming out of rough places. So I don't know if that's going to be some sort of social work mm-hmm. or if that's going to be something I know recently I've really had a tug at my heart at a, like a prison ministry. Wow. But I'm just kind of like praying on those things and and see where it, where God directs me. Mm, that's really good. Well, I'm excited to see where God <laughs> takes you to. Um, you know, you talked in your you know, earlier in the interview about just how you had dealt with addiction and how God yeah you know, began to transform you, but you have another, you have an older sister um, who yes. has dealt with addiction and even getting into the occult, it sounds like y'all kind of went down a s- similar path, maybe at different times, but what was that like for you? Like, did that play into you going down that path or, you know, how did that yes. all happen? For sure. So my sister is seven years older than me mm-hmm. and she definitely introduced me at a young age. Like the first time I had ever smoked pot, I was nine years old and it was with her and friends. The first time I had ever tried pills and cocaine and harder things, I was seventh grade middle school. Oh my gosh. And and by the end of seventh grade, I was full on addicted to cocaine. Oh my gosh. And so it was all because, you know, she did, she was an influence. I was like, you know, I want to spend time with my sister. My older sister does this, so it's okay. I'm cool if I do this. Mm-hmm. And then also like the crowd of friends that we had in the area that we grew up was not the best area. Yeah. So we really just, both of us just kind of linked up with the wrong kind of people. Mm-hmm. And she unfortunately stayed in that lifestyle a lot longer. Um, She's recently um, came out of it. But um, as for me, I, I left Texas and went and moved out of state. And that was something that my mom prayed for. And I didn't know that she was praying for that behind the scenes, but Mm. she prayed for God to get me out of that situation and for God to remove me and, you know, to help me to have a future because she didn't see a good future for me remaining in that. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to go live with family um, out of state in Mississippi. And that is when I got clean. Mm -hmm. I got clean off of drugs, but I started drinking heavily. So it was like, I just traded one addiction for another. Uh And then um, I came back and that was after I came back from being gone for that year, two years, I can't remember. I really came back and my sister was like, not the sister that I knew before. Like, yeah, she had been addicted on to drugs, but during this time she was like really gone. Like her addiction had completely overtaken her. She, she was not the same person. And Mm -hmm. so she had a lot of, a lot of, issues going on. Like she had multiple children, um, CPS involvement, taking them away from her. Um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer and him and my mom mm. were trying to do everything to, um, keep the children in the home. And, wow. you know, it was just so many things going on at that time. And mm. looking back at it, like, I know God was there and I know he was working mm. and it might not have been 
what we expected or we wanted him to do more and in our timing. But now I can say that she's clean. She's married and she has just had another daughter Mm -hmm. and this child is with her and CPS was not involved because um, there was no drug use going on for the duration of the pregnancy or any after, Mm. but she does, she does still struggle with like mental health and things of that nature. Now she's getting involved in um, all of the same things that I was getting involved in, but we've recently done um, me and my mom came together and we were like, we want to fast for her and we want to pray for her. And we want to kind of break these strongholds and demonic forces that are kind of ruling her off of her. And the best way that a Christian person can battle in, in, in the spiritual world is through prayer and fasting. Mm-hmm. That is when the, the, when the disciples came to Jesus and were like, why can't we cast this demon out of this man? He's not coming out. Why can't yeah. we, why can't we do it? Jesus was like, this is the kind that only leaves through prayer and fasting, mm-hmm. you know? So it's, it's so important to a Christian's walk. And we recently have done that for her and yeah. God gave me uh, a verse, mm-hmm. which was Isaiah 65, one, where it's like, I'm ready to, even though they're not searching for me, they're not looking for me. I'm ready to be found by mm-hmm. them. And that just rings so true for my sister because she's searching for everything that's not God. Mm-hmm. But I have, I have faith that he is going to reveal himself to her in a radical way. And she's going to be crazy like me and change her life too. Mm. That's yeah, that's so hard. And you're, you know, you talk about your mom going through all this. I'm just thinking about what that must have been like as a mom who really tried to, you know, at least, you know, taking you guys to church and getting you guys in in that kind of situation. She tried to yeah. get you guys down a certain path. And, you know, I I think you can see in your life that like that was not in vain. And you can see that in some ways in Heather's life that that was not in vain, and um, and I think that that's that you know your story must be encouraging to your mom as far as like what God will continue to do in the future, and yeah, um, yeah, it's hard to watch a kid struggle, one of her kids struggle, and I can't yeah. I can't imagine what all she went through, but I I do know that your mom is hardcore about praying and does oh, yeah, never never sure. gives up on that. <laughs> so um yeah, we'll continue to pray for for that because you know you talked about going down the road of wanting to be a medium and you talked about how, yeah. you know, sisters headed down similar road and wanting that. And I think it comes from a place of wanting to to be more as I think you use the word like spiritual. Like you there is something yeah. out there that our spirit is seeking. That is, that's true. That's all of mm-hmm. us. And how we feel yeah. it is different, whether that's drugs or whether that's alcohol or whether that's possessions or whether that is, you know, this spiritual and um, practices that are occult or what we were made to fill it with, which is the power of God transforming our lives. And, you know, we... But those are all lies that, Satan uses to deceive us yeah. is like, oh, you'll be so much happier if you have this, or you'll be um, so much more fulfilled if you, you know, explore spirituality, or if you're able to 
you know, talk to the dead or you'll find meaning for your life yeah. if you do this. And it's all just deceptions. Yeah. And I remember having that moment where I was just like, oh my gosh, I was so deceived. Like, yeah. why? What was I thinking? Yeah. But I think anyone who kind of is struggling with that or like even the ones that are listening and don't know if they necessarily believe in everything that I'm saying, I yeah. think the most important thing to do would be to pray and ask God to like reveal things to you and mm -hmm. open your eyes. And I have no doubt in my mind that they'll start picking up on it and they'll start seeing things because our eyes have to be open to yeah. it. Until your eyes are open to it, you're not going to understand and you're mm -hmm. not going to even realize what it is. Yeah. You know, you talked about the lies of Satan I I've been selling stuff on like Facebook Marketplace. The story is going somewhere, I promise. That sounds really like a weird <laughs> way to start a story. But um, so I'll sell on there and I'll look through items and stuff. And I came across somebody selling a satanic Bible on there. And I was like, that's really weird. Like, how did that come up when I'm looking at like garden furniture? But, you know, <laughs> there's all kinds of weird stuff in there. And I had never seen this before. And so I'm like, I'm a little curious what this involves. And it said like free. And I'm like, oh, is this like the Gideons like handing out Bibles? But it, it wasn't free. The guy just listed it as free. And I was able to read like the dust jacket on the Bi or on the satanic Bible. And it had like 10 truths about, about um, Satanism or something. And one of them was like, but, I mean, everything was like, this is what's bad about Christianity. This is what's good about Satanism. And one of them was like something along the lines of like Satan. I mean, uh, Christianity wants you to live a life of limitation. And Satan Satanism is about a life of fullness. And I was like, what the heck? And I was thinking about this like, you know, obviously I am a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. And I don't feel mm -hmm. like that's limited me. But I do understand where, you know, someone on the outside might be like, okay, you choose not to do X, Y, and Z. And that may seem limiting, but Satan is actively trying to get people caught in addiction. And I would say that being caught in addiction yeah. is a pretty limiting life. I mean, you, yeah. but I mean, that's just one example, but you are a slave to a substance and yeah, that's all you care about. Nothing yeah. else matters. And you're just seeking to just get that next high to make yourself feel normal or yeah. like a person. And yeah, you're absolutely right. It is the most limiting thing. Whereas in Christianity, I feel like you walk in freedom. Yeah. Like you are set free. Like your past doesn't define you. Yeah. You have you have all the power within you because of Jesus and the mm. Holy Spirit that you can overcome every addiction, every temptation, everything. You can do it, not in your own strength, but through Jesus Christ and his power that yeah. he enables you to do it. And that's something that I think Satan doesn't want you to know because yeah. once you know that you have the power to tread on scorpions and all of that, yeah. then you're no longer limited to the physical things of this world. Like nothing yeah. is going to hold you back. And that's what God wants us to step into. That's what Jesus wants us to realize about our lives here. Like we don't have yeah. to be limited by those things. So that that's definitely a deception that Satan is trying to sell you. Yeah. <laughs> Let me just clarify something because I know that, um, you know, there are some people that listen to stuff like this and they're like, let me pick it apart. But I want to clarify that you're not saying 
necessarily that, you know, there are people that I'm sure, and you being an example of being delivered from an addiction without maybe a rehab clinic, for example. But yeah, that you're not saying that like God doesn't use those things or that those may be serve an important purpose in our lives because you are saying, you know, that you're interested in Christian counseling. Obviously you feel like there is, it is not just necessarily me and God against the world, but that God provides these other things to help support us. Right. Like that's, that's. Oh, definitely. Definitely. I don't, I don't think if, if I wouldn't have had these experiences with being addicted to stuff, with living the lifestyle that I lived, I don't think that now I would have a heart for other people in that. You know, I don't think I would ever consider um, doing anything for those types of people, you know? So I think everything God uses and there's Mm -hmm. reason behind everything. So if someone is on drugs or had a life where they, where they were in like doing that, God will take everything that has happened to you and use it for good. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it was. Yeah. That's awesome. And you know, how cool that you get to be a part, you know, as long depending on where God takes you and this ministry that he's calling you to. But, you know, I, I guarantee that no matter if it's your job or not, that you will be, someone who shares your story to others that are struggling. And God is going to take, like you were talking about, God's going to take that and use you as the an example of what he can do and um, how he can transform. So what do you feel like has been maybe the biggest surprise or the biggest unexplicit, uh, unexpected blessing in this journey? Um, I would say the biggest surprise and the biggest unexpected blessing, I would have to say one of those would be um, having instances where um, God allowed me to use spiritual gifts. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times people read about the spiritual gifts in, in the New Testament and they're like, oh, that's so cool, but that would never happen to me. Yeah. And then I, I had certain instances where at that point in time, I was able to use a spiritual gift and I was so surprised and I just felt so, um, like I felt so happy that God felt like I could be someone that could be used by him, mm, you know? And cool thing. that, yeah. yeah, that made me feel like that gave me all my worth. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like I found my worth in God in those moments. And mm-hmm. that's, I think what he wants everyone to do is like, it doesn't matter what, what you're doing like professionally or, or whatever, like your mm-hmm. worth comes from God and being able to work for him and be used by him where he leads you. And mm-hmm. so that, that was the biggest um, surprise for me, the biggest blessing I would say. And then yeah. being able to use those gifts in turn to bless other people and provide yeah. them like hope from God, you know, mm. that those were, I would have to say that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really cool thing about um, our, our our heavenly Father. He loves us so much, and um, he can, he like he used this word worthy, and I think that that's pretty cool. Um, that's a good choice of word. Like, you know, God, you know me. You know what I've been through. You know what I've done, and the ways that I've turned my back on you. And now yeah. you're choosing to do these great 
you know, things through me or use me to be a blessing to other people. And how am I worthy of that? But exactly. But thank you, God. <laughs> you know, yes, yes. I felt so like important to him mm-hmm. that he allowed me to do that. And even though it was like nothing for myself, and yeah. I was doing this for someone else. Like it just meant a lot to God that yeah. he deemed me at that time to be someone that he could use. Mm. So what's something that helps you to remain faithful to Jesus in the hard times? I would have to say just knowing how much he loves me Mm -hmm. and how much he's remained faithful to me during, you know, my unsaved times. That is enough to just have me stay in this. Something happened to me where I can't ever look back, you know, like something changed me Mm -hmm. from the inside to where I can't ever imagine living my life not faithful to God. Like he's done so much for me. He has done so much for my family. And I just, that, that's enough to just drive me. Yeah. Mm, That's good. Um, you know, you talked earlier about the verse that you felt like for your sister that God had given to you. Is there any verses that speak to you in difficult times that maybe you go to when you're feeling really down or maybe, you know, God encourages you with? Um, I know um, the verse Luke seven forty seven. Mm-hmm. That is the verse um, that I say is the perfect picture of my life is Mm -hmm. when that certain immoral woman comes and she's washing the feet of Jesus and she's just so thankful and so loving towards him and just pours her whole self out at his feet. Mm -hmm. And all of them start criticizing Jesus and is like, why are you letting this woman touch you? Like, do you know what she's done? She's so immoral. And um, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. She's been forgiven from so much. And because she's been forgiven for so much, this is what causes her to love so much. And I feel like that woman sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing what all God has forgiven me of and knowing how he's restored me and how he doesn't even care about the stuff that I've done. That is something that I find so much hope in, Mm -hmm. and I'm so thankful for that. Mm. Um, I think that that's something that a lot of us can identify with at different times, and um, I think that's a theme that comes up a lot in Jesus's ministry is like the ones that are forgiven the most are the most appreciative, you know? Yes, yes. And I I think that that's so important for us to realize. And sometimes if we've walked a road where we are, you know, we feel like we've been fairly faithful to Jesus along the way. Like maybe we've attended church all the time. We didn't get into drugs. We didn't do this or that. Sometimes we we think, you know, we do have some righteousness on our own, but um, that's just not the case. And Yeah. We, and then we look at other people and we're like, well, I'm not as bad as that person. Oh, yeah. So I'm that's a dangerous good. game of comparison. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. You're not as bad as that person, but you're definitely not as good as Jesus. So yes. uh, let's don't get into comparison. <laughs> uh, so for those that may be listening, that maybe they're dealing with addiction right now, maybe in themselves or maybe in a yeah. family member, Um, what is something you would like to say to them? 
I would say don't for the person that it has children that may be addicted or someone close or a family member, I would say do not stop praying because God hears you mm-hmm. and you just have to remain persistent and remain faithful in those times when it feels like it's so hopeless. It's not because yeah. God is there and he's going to act in his timing And it's just important for you to remain faithful throughout that. And Mm -hmm. then for the person that may be struggling with addiction and feels hopeless and doesn't know how to stop, I would tell them, stop trying to do it in your own strength because you won't be able to. Mm -hmm. This is when you need a savior. This is when you need Jesus because it's only through his power that you're going to be able to overcome these strongholds. Mm -hmm. What would you say to somebody who maybe they are a follower of Jesus and maybe they're dealing with addiction? How how would you direct them? That's a tough one. Yeah. That's a tough one. I would say that they would just have to re- remain in prayer. Prayer yeah. is going to be the biggest way that you can war against this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And I say seek out support from other Christians. You yeah. know, the Bible tells us, that, you know, we need to be together, close-knit, and hold each other accountable. And yeah. if they have to find an accountability partner and someone to pray with them and someone that they feel comfortable enough to call in the middle of the night if they're struggling with something, I feel like that's that's so important is to have a support system because I feel like God will use people and bring people into your life for certain reasons. Yeah. And that's how He's going to help you through this. Yeah. You know, um, drug addiction is such a like all-encompassing sort of thing in that, you know, it it is a substance, but it can control your whole life. And um, I, I mean, I, I'm sure you remember Patricia, and yes. um, I think one, I think her story is particularly encouraging to me because she, um, this is a for those that are listening, this is a, a mutual friend of ours. She passed away a few years ago, but she was deep, deep into drugs. And um, and I know she wouldn't care me sharing that because God, like she went to so many different rehab facilities and wasn't able to experience healing. And then she went to, I believe it was like the 13th or the 12th or something rehab program and God yeah. delivered her. And she, she experienced this huge transformation. And I only knew her as this new creation, basically. Like, I mm-hmm. only knew her as this regenerate Christian that God yeah. had transformed. And it was so hard for me to imagine, like, oh, my gosh, there was this, you know, woman very addicted to all these substances. And um, I, you know, I think that God used her community and God used this amazing facility that she was part of, and that's how she got connected with um Ginger and um, yeah. another mutual friend, and she she experienced healing, and not that it's easy after that. And I'm sure that yeah. you know you going into the line or interest in counseling, you know that it's a road to walk, and it's a journey, and it's you know one day at a time, and that's. Exactly. And then I think that's too, when people experience their biggest spiggest 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 sp
they're stepping out of a life of sin where Satan wants to keep them. Mm -hmm. So the biggest attacks are going to come on you whenever you try and get out of that lifestyle and when you start making those changes. But it's so important to break those normal patterns and cycles that you keep going through because that that's what's holding you back. You got to get out of that. You got to get into a different community. You got to get out of a different neighborhood. Like all of those things are so important for the, the, the walk to recovery. And then too, I think people, if, if a moment comes and someone relapses or something like that, if if that's going on within someone's family, don't discourage them yeah. or don't beat them up because of a relapse. Like hold their hand and meet them where they're at. Mm-hmm. Walk with them through this journey and say, you know, because even if we might not struggle with addictions now or we might struggle with addictions, maybe not drug um, drug addictions, right. but it could be with food or, you know, caffeine or whatever it may be. And the worst thing we know when we fall and when we, you know, struggle and the worst thing to do to someone that has fallen or, or is in the middle of a struggle is to go and beat them up over that and yeah. say, well, that's terrible. What are you doing? Why would you do that again? Like that's, I don't think that's the best way to go about it. Uh-huh. I think it's more supportive that you meet that person where they're at. Take it one day at a time with them, hold their hand, be their support system because they don't need any more disappointment. They're already disappointing themselves. Yeah. You know, a thought was coming in my mind is like, we all have to have like motivation for what we're doing. And like what you're describing is to almost be like, someone's motivation for being clean or getting clean, you know, maybe hopefully the motivation is to follow Jesus, but if they're, if they're not, um, you know, you want to like people that are addicted, if they know that their family loves them and cares about them, then they really feel like they have a reason to live. And they, you know, a lot of times if you're deep in the, you know, the dark area with drugs and you're really, deeply addicted, you don't feel like there's much reason to live. There's not much going on. And then, you know, you've got this family that's like, hey, we love you. We care about you. We want you back, not, you know, we don't want you part of you or a piece of you. We want all of you. And we're going to love you and we're going to support you and we're going to do whatever we can to help you be successful with that. I mean, I can imagine that could be world-changing for some people. Yeah, that was like one of the biggest things that my sister would say to us when we would, you know, go after her about her addiction is, you know, you guys don't love uh, love me. You guys hate me. You you mm. leave me out of things. You know, I'm so different. No one wants to be around me. Like that was so some of that was probably yeah. true. We did have a lot of fights and things like that. We did not want to invite her to things because of her behavior and stuff like that. So some of that was true, but then also I think it was enhanced because Satan wanted to keep her isolated. Yeah. And in this this area of just gloom and despair and like she was all alone in this. And I think if I would have reached out more to her and been like, I love you despite your addiction. I love you despite your behavior. You know, Mm -hmm. I will be around you no matter what. I think that 
would have made more of a difference for her. So I know that now going forward, if I ever interact with someone or if someone else in my family um, has struggles with this, but I think it would have been really different back then if I would have known that. Yeah, that's really good. And I think it's good. Yeah, like you said, like you're learning from it and you're figuring out this new approach because it is human to be like, I'm, I want you to feel shame over what you did. Yeah. And um, I don't know a whole lot of people that that's a good motivator for, but it is, I mean, even as a parent, I feel like I want, when my kid does something really bad, I want them to look like they get it deep within them. And it's like, yeah, okay, you can get it, quote unquote, but like, you don't have to feel like I am just completely disappointed and there's no recovering from this. Like there's, we're supposed to be representing Christ and representing that forgiveness and not that you're like, please come back and hurt me again, but that you understand that we've hurt God so many times and he still offers us so much forgiveness. So there are some boundaries to be set. You know, you don't, you don't just let everybody do everything and have, you know, the keys to your house uh, in a metaphorical or um, a very literal sense, but um, you also, that love never stops. Their boundaries may still be there, but the love demonstrated toward them and the kindness you show through your words and your actions has to be there all the time. Yeah. So what advice would you give to maybe a Christian who feels like God is calling them to make some big life changes? I would say to do it because they won't, it seems scary. I know that was the biggest thing for me. It was like, I am so scared. I don't know what I'm doing. I feel so lost, but he's not going to bring you somewhere and then desert you. Like Mm -hmm. as soon as you start making life changes, I think he honors that and he sees your, your dedication and he guides you through it. And like, you'll know what to do because he'll, he'll get you there. Yeah. Um, I think that's good. And, you know, you talked earlier about the importance of community and, you know, you, if you have that opportunity, I think we live in an interesting time where, Sometimes people, their online community is a big support where their physical proximity that the people in their lives may not be. You can find so much support through groups online and things like that of people that are really trying to follow the Lord and different kinds of support groups for that. And I think that's another great resource for people because, you know, you you may be living in a family of folks that, you know, this... 5% 5% level of following Jesus is is good enough, <laughs> but you're like, okay, but Jesus is calling me to more. And my yeah. family thinks I'm crazy, but, you know, I, I, I see this, in the, you know, check it obviously against scripture. If you feel this call to do something that, you know, yeah. your family is like, this is bizarre, always check it against scripture. Like, I'm not saying you know, like- it, it encourages me if people think I'm bizarre because then I feel like I'm moving in the right direction. <laughs> <laughs> bizarre in the right way is the, always yeah, the goal. Yeah. yeah, bizarre in the way that Jesus really stuck out and the way that we're called to live as aliens and strangers. And in our, in our culture, we're supposed to look different and be different. But yeah, you're right. I mean, always check it against scripture because- if you didn't see Jesus or his disciples doing it, it's always like, okay, maybe I need to slow down, examine this. But if I saw them doing it, then I feel like I'm in good company and I'm in maybe on the right path with this. 
And then let the Holy Spirit be your best friend. Like, it's not like you have to be in prayer like all day long, but just like having that conversation, like, is this right with you? Should I be doing this? Uh, Is this okay? Like things like that. You can talk like every day, invite the Holy Spirit to walk with you, like be with me, lead me, guide me, and then ask questions throughout the day. It might seem crazy to people, but I guarantee you, you will get the answers. (laughs) That's good. So is there any other encouragement that maybe you'd like to leave our listeners with? Hmm. I think we've almost covered it all. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. (laughs) No, I I think that you've offered so much in the way of, you know, just, I guess, seeing God's transformation in your life. That's been huge for me to see because, you know, we did grow up in a place where you wouldn't have experienced a lot of what you are now open to. And, um, and that's been cool to see that you really desire to please the Lord with that, but um, but that God brought you back and rescued you from this. Like, I had no idea a lot of the stuff that happened in the years that you described. Like, I think I was maybe, maybe I was away at college. I didn't know, I'm, or maybe y'all just weren't around. I didn't have a whole lot of contact yeah. in that time. I had no idea about a lot of that. <laughs> so I'm yeah. hearing a lot of it for the first time, and— it's it's just amazing to me to see what God has brought you through and rescued you from because I I mean I just imagine that this this conversation wouldn't have happened any other way and yeah. you know who knows where you would be right now if it were not for the prayers of your mom and for the love of your heavenly father that decided yeah. you know that chose to give you an alternative and give you a way out. And you had to make the choice to to do that. I mean, you can you can continue in rebellion a lot of times and fight against God and just keep doing that. Yeah. But, you know, God got you out and God rescued you so that you can help rescue others. And I just, I see so much ahead of you, Brittany, that I think God can use your story to... Um, to change lives and um, to bring him much glory. And that's just, that's just incredible to me. So I'm just so thankful that you took the time to chat with me today. I'm thankful that you asked me. Sometimes I look at my story and I'm like, oh, it's, it's not that interesting. But if it helps <laughs> even just one person, yeah. it was worth it. <laughs> God's power to transform is so evident in Brittany's story. I hope that it encourages you that no one is incapable of experiencing God's redemption. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a rating and review. Reviews help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. And while you're there, remember to hit the subscribe button. You can find me on my website, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com or on Instagram at faithfulpodcast. Have a great week and remember to stay faithful, friends.